Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running from networks and security to communications and 24-7 support. Our team works with you to understand your technology demands, then deploys the right solution for your unique needs. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com business. Blackfoot, connect to more. It's 4 o'clock. Welcome to Tutel and Nuanes, Montana's only statewide sports talk show. Broadcast on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Western Montana and across the state on SWX Television. I like football! Now, sports talk from Montana for Montana. Live from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanes. Hello, Montana. And after all that, high school and college football started over the weekend. Hi, how are you? Ryan Tutel here, Colton Nuanas over there. It is Tutel and Nuanas on your radios across Western Montana, on your televisions, across the state on SWX Montana Television. Thanks for being here, letting us be with you. We appreciate that very much. If you would like to catch us on the World Wide Web, you may do so. 1029ESPN.com. You listen live all the time on the stream. The stream is available there at the website. Thanks to Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank of Montana, your local bank, your opportunity. If you'd like to pick up your phone and call or text, either one, you can do it. 361-3688, 361-3688. Any guesses on the area code? 406. Very good. 361-3688. All guests join us via the Ranks Brothers RV phone line. Today, we get into uh, actual football that was actually played and also some uh, news out of the NCAA about what the future of uh, championships that were going to be fall championships, which will now be spring championships, looks like and what that means, particularly for the FCS. We will get into that. We will go through a lot of the results from around the state at the high school level. Again, Class A through C kicked off their football seasons, not to mention other sports as well, cross-country, volleyball, soccer, all uh, having games over the weekend, so that was great. We'll get into that. Austin P in Central Arkansas kicking off the college football season, and uh, and so we'll cover all that. Top of the hour, how about some NFL stuff? Leonard Fournette released, just straight waved by the Jacksonville Jaguars today, uh, so we'll get into that. And also, I want to help my good friends out there. Now, I realize I we were, I don't know if we're late. I think we're kind of right on time, but we are certainly into fantasy football season. I'm not here to tell you who to draft. You can do your research on your own. You can look who you want to do. I got some strategies, though, for you if you are an auction drafter or, as they are talking about now, a salary cap drafter. Uh, I think that there are some things, some considerations that you may want to make if you are doing an auction draft that I just want to give you some tips on from somebody who has done this for a very long time, okay? 
okay, and spent an inordinate amount of thought and consideration on the right way to go about it. So we will get into that a little bit. And also, I won't brag too much, but I did dominate my draft once again. Okay, it's hard to dominate a draft, not win the league, but that's basically what I do. So we'll get into that and uh, maybe a little bit of NBA stuff, some Grizz uh, 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 football slash scholarship kind of stuff that's going around out there. So we'll see what we have time for and what we can get into. Colter, nice to see you. We had a couple days off at the end of last week. You and I both breezed out of town, came on back yesterday. We're here and we're feeling great, right? I got a quick funny story for you. Oh, by all means, man. So, we got all the time. I've been... Uh, been hitting the cycling classes as yeah. as we've talked about in the past, and uh, going to the hype house. Love those gals down there. Great positive energy. Uh, a couple of the teachers are a couple of the best athletes I know. Period. Mm-hmm. They're just phenomenal athletes. Well, it's that's un- un- how you become a teacher of a spin class. Yeah, yeah. Some of these gals do two, three a day. I'm like dying if I do three a week. But anyways, uh, haven't gone a couple weeks because we were really busy last week. I, I like to do it in the middle of the day, just you know, go go the, during the lunch hour. It's yeah. just the best time that works. And uh, we were recording Grizz Greats interviews the last couple weeks. By the way, Grizz Greats, uh, Silver Anniversary of the 1995 National Champions is now out. McColeen episode number one has been yep. released. We will have an episode with Andy Larson coming out uh, shortly, All within right. the next couple days. And uh, we've already done about, what, 10, 11 of the interviews. Yep. So we'll continue to uh, unveil those, get these yep. in, and, uh, and we'll continue to make the rounds as well. Blastic wasn't able to hit it as hard. And... Uh, you know, a couple of weeks off, you're feeling it a little bit. And, you know, I also spent the weekend in Bozeman with my brother, so mm-hmm. feeling it extra yeah. a little bit. Um, but you do like eight or nine songs until you get to the arms, and then you do like one or two songs worth of arms with just tiny little hand weights, which is, first of all, so perplexing for someone like me. Like, how can I sit there and like rep out the 60s on military press if I'm just in the gym? But if I just had ridden the bike for 40 minutes, I can't even do the fives. I can't do it. Yeah. But there's a there's there's the the thing in the middle of the bike that's the resistance. Right? Yeah, you, right. The resistance. You crank it up yeah. and down, and depending on if you're climbing or sprinting or whatever, that's you know you're kind of riding to the beat, and that's what's making it all work and making it all happen. Well, there's also a, a shift, like there's a gear a sprint shift is what they call it. And it's just like a mountain bike. You know, on a mountain bike it might be a 24 speed, but you got the three speeds over here, and then the eight gears within each mm-hmm. speed. So when the sprint shift is in the middle, it's like being on the second gear. That's not where you ever want to be. You always want to be on the left. But if it's all the way to the right, it's just grinding. I don't realize until the arms part that I've had it on the all the way to the right, the whole class. And I'm sitting here thinking, I lost it all. I've done 50 of these classes and I have no fitness left. I'm, I, I, can't, I can't ride. <laughs> My legs don't work. I'm like about to throw up. And I realize it's because I've had it on the hardest setting the entire time, 40 minutes worth. So, well, good for you. To everybody out there. You're going to be able to stay awake the next two hours? Well, I got a Ford's coffee. Okay. So, well, that's good. That's a good start, uh, a good place to start, certainly. I'm glad you've made it. Speaking of a place to start, Coulter, uh, we have chosen a book here today for the uh, for the daily book mention, the daily book if you're looking to read something. Uh, John Feinstein coming up with uh, uh, The Last Dance for us, and we'll tell you about the book and then also why that's today's book. Yeah, John Feinstein, one of my journalism idols, certainly. Uh, he, I shouldn't say falls short, but he doesn't have the skills in the prose that many of the great writers that I like that we've highlighted guys like Gay Talese and guys like uh, Gary Smith and S.L. Price, which, by the way, I had one of the highlights of my life last week. SL, I had tweeted S.L. Price as one of my favorite sports writers when he retired from Sports Illustrated, and he tweeted me back. I couldn't believe now, it. Now, that is a very millennial thing right there. It is. That is a very it, millennial it, it, thing. It, it totally is. But anyways, Feinstein, he's not necessarily the feature writer, but he's a great journalist in yes. the reporting avenue. He, yeah. he gets in and finds all the little details. This book here, The Last Dance, behind the scenes at the Final Four, it's all about the Final Four, the NCAA tournament leading up to the Final Four. And it's just so incredibly well-sourced. I mean, he interviews everybody from Mike Krzyzewski to Gary Williams to Dean Smith to Roy Williams to, you know, John Thompson and Lute Olson. And that's why I wanted to highlight this book today because over the last, since we've been at last on the air, yep. we've lost two of the greatest college basketball coaches in the history of the game. No doubt. And they were two of the greatest, Lute Olson at the University of Arizona and John Thompson at Georgetown for more than what the game, more than just the tangible results of the game. And I think that's why it was such a, something that struck a chord. I mean, Lute Olson was 85 years old, so it wasn't that big of a surprise. And John Thompson was 78. And if you've ever seen John Thompson, well, 78's a pretty good life for a guy that's six foot 10. Yeah. He's I a mean, he is man. a huge, huge, huge man. Yeah. And, uh, but 
the 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 impacts beyond just running college basketball machines like so many guys do. I mean, Mike Krzyzewski will go down in history forever as one of the great coaches ever because he built what wasn't a power into a power in a state that already had multiple powers. Yeah, That's a really hard task. Dean Smith, for as great as he was, North Carolina already had great tradition. He just took it to the next level. Roy Williams, as great as he was, took over for a guy like Dean Smith with you know some bridges in between. But North Carolina, Kansas programs like that, they've been established for 100 years. Arizona basketball was nothing before Lute Olson took it over. He took them to five Final Fours. But the reason I think he transcends the game is twofold. Some of the guys that have played from him have had some of the biggest influences on the game since then, most notably Steve Kerr. But also I think that you can delineate and deliberate and argue over who had d- does things in, in what sort of way. College basketball has always been seedy. There's there's ways to bend the rules without breaking them. I think even some of the most revered coaches have definitely found niches to give themselves advantages. I, I would say with the utmost confidence, I think that Lute Olson did it in a cleaner fashion than any of his peers during the time that he did it in. I really think that he was nationally elite without doing anything weird or sketchy or scandalous. And that's that's amazing. And it's sad to see what's happened to Arizona because they've been just rot with scandals since yeah. Lou Olson retired. But then you talk about John Thompson and the, fi- the Fab Five at Michigan gets so much credit for bringing black culture into the college game and making it acceptable. The long baggy shorts, the high black socks, you know, freshmen playing early, you know, only 10 years removed from when freshmen weren't even on the varsity. But John Thompson was the one that it really brought that into the American consciousness to go to an inner city school like Georgetown, a Catholic school, but then recruit from the inner city. And then for those guys, the attitude they played with and the bravado that they had to be on ESPN, to be on you know, this week in Big East basketball, Georgetown was always on those. And some of the teams they had with Patrick Ewing and Alonzo Mourning, it it changed the game because it changed the culture. It changed the, the America became way more accepting of that style of basketball as particularly from a racial element. And John Thompson deserves so much credit for that. I mean, I think he is one of the pioneers in the integration of college basketball across the the board. Also went on to a tremendous broadcasting career. uh, And, you know, as a broadcaster myself, we can think about this, you know, we talk about this, you know, in the, I guess the professional sense that you go, but I think people, maybe they do realize, maybe they don't, I don't know, but, what you give of yourself as a, as a broadcaster, people get to know John Thompson, the man, or or at least the the personality of John Thompson that they never had really the access to when he was a coach. And you know that this guy's this great coach, but then to hear him talk about the game, both the specifics of you know a game that's being played in front of you on a court, and also the game at large and and just in general, phenomenal man. I love listening to John Thompson talk and 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 call games and that. And so certainly our our uh, our best to the families and friends of of those two titans of college basketball. One more point on John Thompson. I mean, has there ever been a coach that had the, the the true intimidating presence that he had? I mean, some of the guys he even coached, they wilted to John Thompson. Alonzo Mourning is one of the fiercest basketball players to ever play. And John Thompson ruled over him. I mean, if you hearken back to in, in the late 80s, early 90s, when Alonzo Mourning was playing at Georgetown and they had it really rolling, there was that almost scandal where a bunch of the Georgetown guys got involved with Rafael Edmund III, who was known as the drug kingpin of inner city Washington, D.C. And there's the famous story of Thompson knew that this guy was trying to be close to Georgetown players because he wanted to be cool. He was trying to bribe these guys with money. So he gets Alonzo Mourning. He says, hey, I want to meet this guy. Bring him in. And then brings him in and sits him down. And there was no scandal after that. Yeah. Rafael Edmonds went away. Yeah. In short order, and so I think the, Don, the 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 influence John Thompson had in that element of the the cultural and social element is so profound. Two tell new one is one hundred two nine ESPN Radio. Let's get into the football that took place over the weekend, Coulter, and the FCS kickoff uh, happened. I guess as scheduled, uh, even though it was just one. Well, I guess it was two games, but one game uh, in particular, which was Austin P, uh, a team whose season came to a close in Bozeman last year, and Central Arkansas, who we talked about quite a bit, given the fact that they're playing. I believe what is it a nine game schedule, right? Nine that they schedule, have yep. set up uh, the first 
play from scrimmage of the entire season, a 75-yard touchdown run uh, by Austin P. Uh, but nonetheless, Central Arkansas, who was the preseason number 11 team in the nation, uh, went on to win the game, good game, 20, 24-17. Uh, I saw a very little bit of this game, a couple of highlights. Uh, I was otherwise inclined on Saturday trying to uh, draft the greatest team in the history of fantasy football, which I was very successful in doing. And, but you watched this game, and I know that you had some takeaways and you've talked to some people about this. I'm interested to hear what you have to say, just in, not about the game specifically, but about about the, the appearance of the game on television. I got some thoughts as well, so go ahead. Well, first of all, I mean, there are two top, 13 teams, uh, according to the preseason polls, coming in. Austin P was an Elite Eight team a year ago after upsetting Sac State in the second round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Before then, they got trounced by Montana State and Bozeman, but still a, a really good year last year for Austin P. And Central Arkansas, they were the co-Southland champions, and um, they, their quarterback, he had one of the great seasons in school history, one of the better seasons in um, Southland Conference history, as only a sophomore, so there was a ton of hype around him uh, coming into the year. And as we know, last year, you know, Austin P had an injury at quarterback. Jeremiah Oatsvall, who was supposed to be their dude, got hurt. And then the, the backup came in, and he had a, a lights-out senior year and was, I think, the Ohio Valley Player of the Year. So I thought this was going to be primed for a quarterback duel. But I had several different impressions of this game, none of which are really uh, that positive, honestly. I thought, first of all, the 75-yard touchdown on the first play of the game, win, lose, or draw, what happens after that, that is the greatest piece of marketing that could ever happen to Austin P. Because now there's a clip on Twitter for the rest of the year that says the first touchdown in college football this year was a (laughs) 75-yard touchdown on the first play of the game. 97% of the people that are going to see that Twitter highlight or that highlight in general don't care who won the game. Don't care anything. All oh, they know. You're, you're way low. That's on what I'm 97%. Saying. That's what I'm saying. Nine, 9.9%. Hardly yeah. anyone cares about yeah. the actual result of the game. But everybody's like, well, where, who's Austin P? Well, that's cool. Austin P. You see that kid from Austin P? How many people say, you see that kid from Austin P scored a touchdown in the very first play? None of, the of them. They all say Austin PA. <laughs> no doubt. But, anyways, that in itself, that was one of the positives for yeah. sure. But then after that, the. Usually, when one thing I analyze a ton is what guys look like the first week of the year, just because it's going to be the time when you're the most physically formidable. College football players lose 10, 15, even 20 pounds during a season because you just can't lift that hard during the year. But you've spent nine months getting your body ready, preparing, bulking up, getting stronger, getting fitter, getting faster, all those things. You could just tell, and I'm no I'm no uh, expert when it comes to either of these teams. I d- had watched them each a year ago, but you could just tell that the guys were not in nearly as good a physical condition. But do you think that's a result of not being able to be in as good a physical a- absolutely, condition? Absolutely, absolutely. Right. I mean, the training has been so haphazard. It's going to be the across the board. Right. Everybody's going to be in this situation because you haven't been able to train. Mm-hmm. I mean, Iowa, this just shut it down. You know, the University of Iowa is taking a break from formal practice, not just football, all sports, because they've had an outbreak. And so then you go, okay, well, you were on this on this path, on this track, on this plan or whatever, and now it's just completely paused. And that's not to say that, you know, players, athletes aren't still doing athletic things, but it's a very different thing from being in a controlled environment, having coaches or weight trainers, uh, you know, strength trainers, they're pushing you, ensuring that you're doing things correctly, doing the right number of reps, all that kind of stuff. Now, all of a sudden, you're on your own, and it's just inherently, even even for the most motivated guys, maybe not the most directed, uh, and for another group of people, is you know, there's just frankly a lot less of it happening, you know? For sure, and... The, dynamic, the team dynamic of being in the weight room, you have your lifting groups, your position groups and all that, but just being in there together. I mean, usually it's like two groups, right? The early morning and then the the quote-unquote later morning, but still early morning. Push each other and do the whole thing. But yeah. now you're having to be in groups of, at one point it was 10. Now I just think that it's even less than that. And so you just don't have that same camaraderie. You know, mm-hmm. you're maxing. You don't have the whole team sitting around there yelling. Right, so, so they didn't look as good physically to you. They, they didn't. And also... I thought that there was just no flow. You could tell that spring ball had been impeded, that you know player-run practices had been haphazard. The game just was really rough mm. around the edges. Mm. And part of that, though, was 
one of the greatest parts about college football is momentum and momentum swings. And those were almost non-existent because this crowd was so sparse. Now, I don't know. There was a crowd. There were people in the stands at this there game. Were, there were people in the stands. I don't know. I actually, uh, we should have researched this. I don't know if there was um, a limit or what the deal was, but 2,000 people were in the Crampton Bowl. This was going to be a neutral site game anyways. Montgomery, Alabama is where it was held. Mm-hmm. But 2,000 people on the dot was the announced attendance. And that's and, and if, it, if it is 2,000 on the dot, that's because that's how many people were allowed to go. Exactly. And, and I mean, I can't imagine that. I mean, I bet you that stadium holds six, seven times that. I mean, it, it, it looked incredibly sparsely. Oh, it's a 25,000 seat stadium. Yeah. So you're talking about one twelfth of the way full that it, it, you could definitely tell. I mean, there was just there was no momentum. There was no um, enthusiasm. And so then I was texting with several assistants from around the Big Sky Conference, mostly Montana, Montana State, a couple other guys I know too. Because, you know, everybody's watching it. We're all yearning See for what's something. going on. Yeah, yeah. And by and large, across the board, every single one of them said, man, because my whole take was, you guys got to figure out a way to wait until you can have people in the stands because that's what the experience is all about. And by and large, every single coach was like, I absolutely agree. We have to figure out a way to make the experience for the kids special. But it's like I told one of the coaches, well, the last things I want to do is watch Sammy and Cam catch a, catch a touchdown against no one with no one in the stands. That's it's just silly. I mean, part of the whole allure is the huge ovation from the Washington the, the, Grizzly Stadium crowd, the cannon going off. You know, everybody's freaking out. Like that's that's what makes college football so great. Now, as you know, I'm a uh, Tuesday night action addict, and so I have Indeed. watched many games that had touchdowns with no fanfare whatsoever. Sure, uh, and it is an odd thing. The here's the thing, though, is I think, you know, baseball is the closest that we're going to get to this right now, because in the arena sports, NHL, NBA, they've done a really good job of creating an environment that has a lot happening, both audio, video, uh, uh, visual and other. So both for the experience of the fans watching at home, but also for the players themselves, there is an element of energy that it, that exists there. For hockey in particular, the crowd is, you probably notice it after you score a goal or something like that, but I mean, you're on the other side of the glass. You you can't really hear like that, you know, I would think the, the same extent. And you're already covered up in skating. I mean, it's a noisy sport that you're participating in. Basketball a lot more is a lot more direct in terms of the access of fans to the floor and the court and what's going on. But baseball, they go out there and play and, you know, it's a quiet game. There's, you know, you get your pitches. You don't hear anything in between pitches. I'm sure it's like, at least initially, was somewhat eerie, uh, you know, in terms of the experience there. I think that football is going to sort of, I think we'll become accustomed to it a little bit. You know what I mean? I think we'll get to the point where... We might, but it's it's about the kids becoming accustomed to it. Okay. Cause, yeah, I mean, because I mean, everybody it's, it's, will become accustomed it's, it's, to it's it. It's impacting the quality of the play, though. I mean, this was a singular example, certainly. But I just think that where it could turn the corks, I agree with you. We will become accustomed to it, but it's going to take guys that have played in front of sold-out crowds learning how to play in front of non-sold-out crowds. What sport do the fans have the most impact in? College football. Yeah, I think I think you're probably right. Uh, I think you're probably right, but not these two teams, right? I mean, like... Austin P and Central Arkansas, yeah. you mean? Austin P, not so much. Central Arkansas, yeah. I mean, Central Arkansas is by no means a Montana, Montana State, or North Dakota State, but they did average 9,700 fans a game last year. So, so that's that's a decent amount. I mean, that the thing is we have a skewed lens of it out here because this is the anomaly. It's very cool. Absolutely. But this is absolutely the anomaly. I mean, Montana draws almost as well as Washington State. You so know, it, I got So two, this is the anomaly. I got two questions for you on this. Two tell new one is ESPN Radio. Okay. You say you like watching week one because that's when the guys are the most in shape, supposed to be the most kind of physically ready to go. I get yeah, that. Yeah. It also, though, is at times to me, some of some sometimes one of the uglier games of the year or the least sharp games of the year, particularly in college football. I know it's the same in the NFL now yeah. when there's no preseason. You're walking out there and you're playing actually football for the first time. Right. And, you know, there's I mean, we go back to the gold rush game. Was it two, three years ago? 
I mean, the worst offensive half of football I've maybe seen in my whole life, Montana State <laughs> delivered in the first half of their first game, which then they came back and won, right. of course, well, by the way, over Northern Iowa. But, uh, you know, you get that sometimes in those first games. It's, it's a great point, too, because in college football, you're game planning for the same opponent for nine months, and so you overthink it almost always, <laughs> right? right? I mean, I remember that Western <laughs> Illinois game. We're sitting there on the oh, yeah, sidelines. Western Illinois. Excuse Western me, Illinois Northern against Iowa. Montana State. Yeah. We're sitting there thinking, Rutro, like the cats aren't gonna be able to get a first down. This, this is, is terrible. This is this is. And a, then they decided, okay, we're gonna scrap all this fancy, stupid stuff we're gonna do. We're gonna run quarterback power with Give Troy Anderson, Detroit, yeah. <laughs> and, and then, out. They, then they won. Uh, so that's one thing. The other no, thing, it's, it's a it's a really good point, and I think that that's you know it is because I think that we talk about this all the time. I think college football coaches overthink a lot of things, and when you just keep it simple, and that's one of the most brilliant parts about Bobby Houck's program is. This, a lot of times the simplicity of it. I know they're running a lot of advanced stuff on offense right now, mm-hmm. but that's always been the brilliance of the Grizz defensively. They're not trying to run all this smoke and mirrors, and I guess they kind of are to an extent now, but it's always just been about run the ball, play hard, but they don't often outthink themselves, which so often college football coaches do. The other question I have on that is, is this, is the element of actually watching an FCS football game in full on television. You and I watch in person week in and week out, and we certainly go back and watch the Root Sports Game of the Week or whatever it might be. Yeah. And first of all, generally we're watching the Big Sky Conference, which is a great conference the FCS level. The teams we cover, Montana and Montana State, are head and shoulders and torsos better than the teams that we're playing in this game. You know, they're like they're just they're just just better football. And that, that that's a point worth emphasizing too because the difference between the number five team in the FCS and the number eleven team is a lot different than the number five team in the FBS mm-hmm. and the number eleven team. You know what I'm saying? Like it is Georgia and Oregon are not that f- as far apart to me yeah. as Montana State and Austin P. Yeah, and we saw that in Bozeman last yes, year. I yes, mean, we it, did. You, you saw twenty-eight-seven. I mean, it was a it was a beatdown. There, yeah, yeah. Montana so, State did whatever they wanted. So you get you get that aspect. But here's what I'm going to say: the F, the Power Five, like the top end Power Five. What you get your CBS SEC game of the week. You know what I sure. mean? Compared to Tuesday night MAC football, right? It ain't close. It ain't you close. know what I it mean? Ain't it close. ain't close. And so. But I think that you sort of get that a little bit more on television. Like when you're at the game, whether it's the atmosphere of it, whether it's just you're there in person, you really see. I mean, the physicalness of football really comes through when you're in the stadium and you see the game being played up close. And it's it's such a different experience. It's it's almost impossible to compare what you know how good a football team is that I've watched live compared to a football team that I'm watching on TV because it looks and experiences so differently. Yeah. And some of this, I think, is just this is what FCS football on your television looks like. It is, and, and, and like there's there's such stark stratifications between the conferences. Yeah. In FCS now. But this, to me, just reemphasized the thought that I've had all along. I know that Central Arkansas is one of the two best teams in the Southland, and that makes you one of the top 20 teams in the country. Austin P is the defending Ohio Valley champions. That makes you one of the best teams in, in the country as well, and you deserve to be ranked where you're ranked. But it's long been my notion that the middle of the Missouri Valley and the Big Sky are better than almost everybody else in the country, period. Yeah. Like, I really think that Portland State would have beat Central Arkansas, and Portland State's the, the sixth best team in the Big Sky Conference. And along those lines, you're going to be wanting to stick around and hear what the proposals are, what's going on for potentially a spring sports championship, particularly in FCS football, and what that might mean for the middle of the top conferences at the FCS level is going to be interesting as we go here. We'll get into exactly what that is right after this. The Silver Slipper is open, and they are open for sit-down service. They've made some changes to help keep everyone healthy and safe. Their patio is also open. I know it's a little chilly out today, but boys and girls, the sun comes back tomorrow and is going to be here with us for another nice long stretch. So get outside on the patio and enjoy the beautiful weather. They continue to do weekly giveaways to local golf courses. So stop in and ask your bartender how you can win. Things are changing all the time, so like the Silver Slipper on Facebook for the most up-to-the-minute information. Plus, they have the friendliest staff in town, even in the midst of a national crisis. At the Silver Slipper, it's all about great food, tasty beverages, and their urge to have a good time. They're across the street from Super Walmart on Brooks. They're on the south end of town. You can go online, visit silverslipperlounge.com for more info, and stop by today to see why the the Silver Slipper is one of Montana's best-kept secrets. 
for unquestionably committed coverage of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics from a homegrown local source, you can count on Skyline Sports. The grassroots news-gathering organization is owned and operated by Coulter and Brooks Nuanas, a pair of Missoula natives and University of Montana graduates. For the best sports journalism in the state, you can choose to buy local when you choose to buy Skyline Sports. For $8 a month or $90 a year, you can get the best coverage available at SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports, every day, every season. It's amazing because Reese was approximately negative 20 years old when this song came out. Yeah. And, uh... And now, I, always, I always think it's so funny because this song was actually like not like th- this. You hear the song now, you, you just think it's a joke, like it's a parody of something, right? This is a f- it's it's made made to make you laugh. And once upon a time, it was actually a serious song. It's a very serious song. <laughs> and Reese has gotten so much joy out of it that it was worth playing it for the people. It's two tell new one is one hundred two ninety ESPN Radio. Coulter, uh, we were talking about the. Uh, uh, the middle of you know the pack call it call it the 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 middle third upper third or whatever uh but not even the top two three teams in the missouri valley and big sky conference the next three through six are all better than the teams in almost any other conference you know just just all those teams i i I just kept thinking the four teams that made the playoffs out of the Big Sky last year, all four of those teams would have destroyed the teams I was watching right, on Friday right. or on Saturday night. But then I also started thinking, okay, well, let's compare. That's I, I don't want to just have a Big Sky bias. And I started thinking, okay, Illinois State, who I believe finished in a tie for third, they were the fourth team out of the Missouri Valley to make it in the playoffs last year. And then they took North Coast State down to the wire in yeah. the quarterfinals mm-hmm. and almost beat them. That team would just crush these teams. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. So, with that in mind, news today coming out, Brian Fisher at Athlon Sports is the first report that the NCAA has said if fall championships do end up happening in the spring, their intention at this point in time is to cut in half the number of participants, if it's an individual sport, and the number of teams and team sports that are participating in those championships. The FCS is a 24-team playoff, so that would potentially mean a 12-team playoff. Right. Now, Craig Haley also then texted and said that that ultimately they do expect a 16-team field for the uh, – in fact, that is the recommendation that has been then ultimately given. And I think September 3rd, so just a couple days from now, is when a formal – it's not even a decision, but a statement about what the expectation is going to be, understanding that all of this is fluid, especially when you're talking about you know eight, nine months hence. Point being, so a 16-team field for the FCS playoffs is likely at least at this moment. Still, though – there's 10 teams that have automatic bids to the postseason in the FCS. If you had a 12-team field, you only got two at-large bids in the country to go after whoever it is that wins the, you know, obviously the 10 auto bids. The problem with that at the FCS level is that almost all of the at-large bids are better than most of the automatic bids exactly. in this particular level of football to your point now if they had six at-large bids to go with the 10 which is part of the recommendation now you're getting a little bit more depth but it's still nothing like obviously having a a 14 you know auto bids you're still slashing in half over half the number of auto bids that are available uh and that is not going to make for a great playoff overall you know if, if ultimately if you got to assume that the best of the best will be there, particularly if it's a 16 team. But maybe the top seven, eight teams are there, but the t- teams nine through 12, 14, they might not be there. No question. And when you talk about the rest of fall sports, that initial report out of the NCAA was uh, it makes sense because half as many cross country athletes, okay, that makes sense given the social distancing we're trying to promote. Half the. Um, Teams in the in the women's soccer tournament or the volleyball tournament, well, and you shorten the duration sense. of it so the season comes to a close sooner. Right, you move on. 
okay. Right. Yeah. And it, if it's it, tournament it makes style, sense because, yeah. you know, the NCAA volleyball tournament, for example, the NCAA women's soccer tournament, those are just like the NCAA basketball tournament. That's right. Big. You're talking about 32 auto bids, 32 at-large bids. It's what, it's what it is. So you're cutting out a lot of the at-large bids. Okay. But you're still going to find a way to make it happen, especially because there's going to be some conferences that drop off. We'll give you some more at-large bids, whatever. But the, the FCS playoffs is the one that's uniquely affected the most by a reduced playoff field, uh, particularly if it was to be cut in half. If you're going to have a 12-team playoff field and you stayed with the 10 auto qualifiers, that, that means you're talking about two at-large teams, period. I mean, last year, then basically, like the number two and number three teams in the country are going to take the at-large because they didn't win their conferences. I guess Weber State was the co-champion, but like South Dakota State is taking one of those at-large at, at bids, or whoever. I, I guess James Madison would be the auto bid out of the CAA. So, but you're basically having two teams probably in the top five mm. taking those two automatic bids, and so in that scenario, likely the Cats and the Grizz don't get in last year, and the Cats and the Grizz were in the lead eight of the tournament, and totally. the Cats were in the final four. So that it would really hurt the entire playing field. 16 teams, okay, I, I like it a little bit more, but it would make it so that those at-large bids would be super competitive. And even in a 16-team field, you're probably saying the Cats or the Grizz. Imagine if Montana loses that game last year in Bozeman, and that's it. They're just yeah. left out. After, after beating the number three team in the country in Weber State handily mm-hmm. the week before, that would cause for a lot of controversy uh, across not just the Big Sky, but across the FCS landscape. I really think for one year, and again, I think everything's on the table, right? You can, you can just make these these uh, sort of carte blanche rules that are, exist just for here and now just to make this thing work. Right. I, I, I don't think you should do auto bids. Like, right. I just think that the the answer to this is whether it's a 12-team, whether it's a 16-team, I'm fine with it. I think if 12-team tournament's great because then the top four can still have a buy. Right. And, and so, you know, getting that buy in that first week's a big... But I think that you just go, look, man, we're not going to do auto bids whether you want to do, you know... What do you want to do, the the, the AP ranking or whatever it is, right. or have the committee do their selection of who they think just the 12 best teams are and just go? And, you know, okay, there's a lot of conferences that probably know at the beginning of the spring that they're probably not playing to get into a tournament if that's the case. Or they probably not playing anyways, right? I mean, like, there's some conferences that I just don't think that the money's there for them to want to even make a run at it in the spring. Well, and obviously, if that was the case, you wouldn't have 10 auto bids. I mean, I, the Pioneer League's not playing football. Nobody's going to the tournament from the Pioneer League. The, exactly. The, the the direct revenue generation as well as the direct prestige of programs is going to be so put on display in the spring if this happens because the teams that are competitive are the teams that have the money and the teams that want to make the revenue. So they're going to be the ones that make a run at it. So then the, the problem could solve itself. The Northeast Conference might just say, we don't we don't have the resources to conduct this. Sure. So, Missouri Valley, Big Sky, Colonial Athletic, go ahead and battle it out. Well, and maybe and if that happens, then maybe this resolves itself, right? Because totally. if there's only three to five conferences playing, sure, then do an auto bid for those, and then you know, and you're still pulling from those for your for your at large stuff. But if ten are going or eight even are going, I think you really take a long look at whether auto bids is the right thing to do for this you know spring season. All right, it's two tell new one. It's one hundred two nine ESPN Radio. Hey, football and many other sports kicked off around the state of Montana over the weekend. We will tell you what happened. We'll tell you who was great. Coulter's got his five stars in the gridiron of the high school weekend. Right after this, Silver Slipper. They are open again for sit-down service. They've made some changes to help keep everyone safe and healthy. Their patio is open, so you can enjoy the beautiful weather, which kicks back into gear in Missoula tomorrow. They're also doing weekly giveaways to local golf courses, so stop in and ask your bartender how you can win. Things are changing all the time, so like the Silver Slipper on Facebook for the most up-to-the-minute information. Plus, they have the friendliest staff in town, even in the midst of a pandemic. At the Silver Slipper, it's all about great food, tasty beverages and their desire to have a good time they're across the street from super walmart on brooks they're on the south end of missoula visit the silver slipper lounge.com for more information and stop by today to see why the silver slipper is one of montana's best kept secrets At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running. From networks and security to communications and 24-7 support, our team works with you to understand your technology demands, then deploys the right solution for your unique needs. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, 
Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash business. Blackfoot, connect to more. High school sports kicked off around the state of Montana on Friday for football. Over the weekend for some others, soccer in action, volleyball, cross country all going. Two tell new one, it's one of two ninety ESPN radio. It's time for our prep extra segment. It is brought to us by the Farmer State Bank. Farmer State Bank, your Montana bank since nineteen oh seven. Coulter, speaking of money, remember when MC, MC Hammer spent all his? I actually don't. Mm. I wasn't around. I mean, I was alive, but I wasn't mm. there. That was the whole story. He's still sitting courtside at Golden State. Oh no, he made it all back. Good. But he just—I oh. mean—that album came out, and he made you know. I mean, he's one of the biggest stars in the world, and then he bought a $30 million house and went bankrupt. You know, not uh, not, not great. Everybody does this with, the, like, the athletes and the rappers or, you know. Oh, I've, ne- I've no, never. Uh, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, you know, like, you know, th- what's the document? What's the 30 for 30? Broke, broke. right? I'll, I'll say this. I've never been self-righteous about it because I know if I was them, I would be broke because I'd just been broke and I would just be broke. It doesn't matter how much money you, know, you pay me. I'd just be broke. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to find out who it is. There's an author. This guy's an author who writes about, like, Big time gambling power plays, stock market power plays, some, you know, licentious activity that has happened in the, uh, you know, higher reaches of white collar, you know, Wall Street shystiness and so on and so forth. Harvard graduate wrote a book, made two million dollars, blew every cent of it. Yeah. You know, and this guy's a brilliant mind who's writing books and doing the whole thing. Any of us, we get the first taste and then, you know, it's like, well, yeah, it's Let's see how many times I can pull the little one arm bandit here. Yeah, you, you want to know, though, I, I and this is a great compliment I could give to you. If you made $30 million, you could live like six lifetimes. Your brother, six. Your brother could live a hundred. He would have all thirty million in one dollar bills <laughs> under his bed. Six. I think I could do better than six with thirty million for crying out loud. But yes, thank you. My cars were free. Uh, Coulter, let's just quickly again recap for the people here uh, some scores from around Western Montana. Class A, Columbia Falls beat Pulse of 48-28. Down the Bitterroot, Corvallis and Stevensville, a 19-7 game, a little low-scoring contest, but uh, Corvallis beating Stevensville in that game. Dylan, Frenchtown, great football game. Yep. Probably the game of the week and the the uh, week. at the Class A level. Dylan beat Frenchtown 2013, and you got to wonder, uh, you know, not having Klusiewicz with that, you know, you Certainly. sit there and go, okay, well, Frenchtown, you know, maybe that's the difference maker, but a great, you know, really good game nonetheless. Uh, and then a couple of blowouts, a couple of shutouts. Ronan beat Browning 30 nothing, and Florence routed Cutbank 42-0 and in, uh, in a Class B contest. So there you go. Those are the kind of the, the, the regional games there. Again, Class AA not commencing football uh, until September 11th. So a couple of, a couple of ones there. Got a soccer score for the people as well. Yeah, Hellgate, the Hellgate boys, um, they've been the premier team in Class AA for a while. A little rivalry sure. between them and Bozeman, but Hellgate's been the, the one that's kept the upper hand, and they were down one nothing at halftime, but they rallied for a 4-1 win over Cowspell Glacier. Reggie Deuce, two goals and an assist in the second half, so a good performance by him. Speaking of Class AA, as you mentioned in the news, the Missoula County finally made their decision in terms of um, high school sporting stipulations. It was going to be 20 per side for football, and that was going to be a nightmare. The, a lot of the AA teams were exploring going to the Bitterroot or getting out of the county to play somewhere else, but now they're saying 60 per side, 120 total. That includes referees, coaches, and volunteers. And uh, two fans per athlete and per cheer squad member. So at least a few fans in the stands for double a high school football games in Missoula County. And, and that's a, a, a very, very important thing to be able to add 10 people because you're talking about the, if the referees are the same, the scorekeeper, the timekeeper, are the same, you're talking about my guess would be eight additional players and two more coaches. Yeah. Now you got a football team man. now yep. you got 28, you know, 28, to 30 kids yep. there and enough coaches to like do the deal with with roughly you're going to be another coach or two in the box than would normally be but you're going to talk about putting five six, it, most people have not been in the press box at a high school stadium okay. you want to put a dozen coaches six from a side into a 
into a high school press box? I mean, no. No chance. I mean, it, it, ain't, it ain't happening. Not to say anything of the actual scoreboard person and if you got any media. I mean, it's, it, it, you know, so that I think that's that's good. I like that they expanded that out, particularly for football. I think it's borderline necessary. I mean, that would have been a very, very difficult task to pull off with 50. It's still not going to be ideal, but I think that that's a big difference right there. No question. New segment we're going to start doing, and this will be um, standalone outside of this great uh, segment presented by Farmer State Bank, the Prepex. We're going to start doing a five stars from the Treasure State, just highlighting five outstanding performances from the weekend that was from around the state in football. So we'll go through these quickly. First of all, Polson sophomore Jarrett Wilson, what a debut. First career varsity start. He threw for 444 yards. That's the fourth most in Class A history. That's according to our resident Class A historian, Brian Reed, who's been on this show a couple times. He does a great job keeping track of all the records. Uh, Jarrett Wilson hit Colton Graham 14 times for 256 yards and three scores alone. All that's to say, though, that was in a loss. That was in a um, 48-28 loss by Polson to Columbia Falls, but that's because Mason Peters outdid Wilson. Although Mason Peters didn't throw for 444, he threw for 347 and four touchdowns, also rushed for 108 yards on just eight carries. So that Mason Peters performance out of Columbia Falls, also according to Brian Reed, just the fourth time a Class A quarterback has thrown for more than 300 and rushed for more than 100 Mason Peters joins Hamilton's Josh Brenneman, Stevensville's Caleb Vance, and Livingston's John Waddell as Class A quarterbacks who've thrown for more than 300 yards and rushed for more than 100 in a single game. 455 total yards responsible for uh, not a bad output. Yeah, so a shootout there, and, and that's that's a cool deal because those two teams, uh, young talent at Columbia Falls had a great year last year, but that's um, optimism for them with Mason Peters taking over. So great performance by both those two quarterbacks. Uh, in that Dylan Frenchtown game, Carson McGinley was the hero. He had an interception that he returned 12 yards for a touchdown to lift Dylan mm-hmm. to a 2013 win. Uh, that that was also a revenge game because, as we remember, Dylan was on a 22-game winning streak last year, and they were rolling right along. They had been the defending state champions. And then Frenchtown, that was sort of the, the game that announced them as a contender in Class A. They beat Dylan in overtime, 27-24 at Dylan. That vaulted the Bronx into the top four in the polls where they pretty much stayed until the playoffs. Yeah. It's a little bit of revenge for Dylan there, and Carson McGinley had that pick six that sealed it uh, in Ronan. Senior quarterback Daniel Kelsch, he threw for 160 yards and three touchdowns. He also threw three two-point conversions. That's pretty interesting. He also scored a rushing touchdown. Ronan beat Browning 42-0, and that's of consequence because, first of all, they scored 42 points on just 46 plays. Amazing offensive production that also snaps a losing streak for Ronan that dates back to 2018. Mm. They had not won since the fifth week of the 2018 season. So good job by the Chiefs uh, getting off the schneid there, uh, beating a Browning team uh, that was a little bit shorthanded. And then finally, Eureka, who's the defending state champions in Class B, they saw senior Gunnar Smith, who I think is actually – I'm surprised he hasn't gotten a little bit more hype. I think he could – He's like a he's a frontier conference guy all the way, but he's one of those guys where if you gave him a chance at the D1 level at, at Big Sky School, I think that he could make some noise because he's, yeah. he's big, strong, and fast. But uh, Gunnar Smith, 24 carries for 146 yards, had a 10-yard score, and then also caught four passes for 73 yards. And he also tossed a two-point conversion as well. So he was basically the entire offensive production for Eureka. The Lions downed Bonners Ferry, Idaho, 14 nothing for a season-opening win. So the Class B... Uh, winners of the last, I guess, three out of the last four Class B state championships, Eureka, they are 1-0. and Very good. Colton, yeah, thank you for that. It's fun to have sports uh, happening in the no state question. of Montana. Hey, shout out to all the, uh, the local media guys, too, because um, you know, I monitor this stuff on Twitter and stuff, but I'm not on the ground doing the reporting, a lot of the prep stuff. Sure. We're getting a lot of this stuff from our partners at, at ABC Fox and SWX, but also, you know, we're pretty... We're pretty friendly with the quote-unquote competition. We really, we really like the sports guys that are around. Well, you Missoula have to right be, now. man. You got to get along to get along, right? Is that that's, what it is? Or go along to get along? That's right. But we got, we got a, we got a good crew. Oh, it's right a great now, crew. Man. Yeah, the, the, it's a, it's a lot of good guys. The guys that work hard, and uh, so shout out to all the guys at the Missoulian and KPAX and KCI, and, and of course SWX Montana, our great partners. Um, because, you know, I'm, I'm getting a lot of this stuff from them as well. Yeah. I mean, going through the Twitter and figuring out the records and stuff, you know, we're taking care of that. But as far as just the scores, the stats, that's coming from the schools and mm-hmm. the, the the affiliated media. So uh, good job by those guys. And I know that uh, just gauging by the Twitter reactions and some of the local newscasts, everybody was 
pretty darn excited to have something to talk about. Our job is a lot easier than the, the TV sports guys, right? We could just don't say, say I mean, we could just say, <laughs> we, could, we could just say, hey, who's the greatest player in the last 20 years in the NBA and just let it roll? Yeah. Like, it's pretty tough being on the TV. I, I uh, you you are so very right. I mean, people have asked us regularly over these past months, like, how do you do what you do? How do you do? And the, the answer is, don't ask us. Ask the TV sports folks yeah, right. what their how their things have gone because yeah, it, it is no treat uh, without that going on. So good for them. They got something going on. They can get out there, get the camera out, and go uh, film some actual action for you. All right, very good. Uh, this has been a prep extra segment. It's brought to us by the uh, Farmers State Bank, your Montana bank since 1907. A quick break. On the other side, we get into some NFL stuff. Leonard Fournette was cut. Alvin Kamara has not shown up to mandatory workouts, uh, evidently a contract dispute. We'll get into that. And if you still got a fantasy draft coming up, particularly an auction draft, I will give you some tips on some things to think about. Just food for thought. I want you to be as good as you can be. So we'll do that right after this. Hey, Kurtz Polaris, they are at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula and Highway 83 in Sealy. The weather, beautiful out. Take my word for it. Tomorrow, it hits again. The sunshine, the beautiful air, warm, hot. Get outside. Get out of town. Go up in the mountains. Get on the lakes. Beta and Husqvarna dirt bikes, the top of the line in the industry, available at Curse Polaris and the entire line of Polaris side-by-sides, including generals, razors, rangers. You want to go fast. You got work to do. You got a bunch of people to carry around. Any of those can get you wherever you need to get. Forest service roads, maybe just around your property, whatever it might be. You go to Curse Polaris and you see everything there. And now is the time to get out on the lake. You got some place to go. You need something to float on. I've used an inner tube before. It's not as nice as a pontoon boat. Okay? I'm just saying that's the one you want. Crest pontoon boats available at Kurtz Polaris. Summer the way you always envisioned with Kurtz Polaris online at KurtzPolaris.com. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 